welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. This episode is sponsored by Netting Pros. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals is an official partner of the ABCA and continues to provide quality products and services to many high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Make sure to let CEO Will Miner know that the ABCA sent you. Now on to the podcast. Support for this episode is brought to you by the Headset app. Are you looking for a simple solution for coach to catcher communication for the season that doesn't require bulky hardware in the dugout? Traditional communication gear can be a headache to set up and carry from game to game. But what if there's a game-changing solution? Introducing the Headset app, your new MVP in communication for coaches and catchers. Enjoy crystal clear, ultra HD audio without the major league price tag. It's compatible with any Bluetooth headset or earbuds. Say goodbye to tangled wires and extra hardware. Ready to step up to the plate? Download the Headset app for free today. Getting started is as easy as a home run trot. Create your account, invite your team, and start calling pitches. The Headset app is ready for download in the App Store and on Google Play. Swing for the fences and download today to get a five-day free trial. And for a limited time, use ABCA24 when you buy your pass for next season and save 10%. Find out more at theheadsetapp.com. This week on the ABCA podcast, we are joined by Tidewater Phillies and Grassfield High School's Lee Banks. Banks has been a staple on the travel baseball scene for over 25 years. Banks' initial travel squad was the Tidewater Mets, then transitioned to the Tidewater Orioles. Over his career, Banks had the opportunity to coach future big leaguers Michael Kadire, Jason DuBois, David Wright, B.J. Upton, Justin Upton, Ryan Zimmerman, and Mark Reynolds. Banks coaches travel in high school baseball part-time. He's a full-time consultant for Cox Media. Banks is an 89 graduate of Norfolk State. In this episode, we cover high school and travel baseball, tips for parents in the process, coaching elite players, the impact that Virginia coaches and scouts had on both of us, and keeping baseball simple. Let's welcome Lee Banks to the podcast. Man, it's good seeing you. Uh, good seeing you, man. Can't wait to uh, Dallas. It'll be my first time going to Dallas, and uh, I got the uh, hotel at the uh, embassy, so ho- hopefully the Gaylord might open up or something. Yeah, it's it always check right right around that time where everybody has to pay the full fare yeah. that's because this is because people reach out to us all the time about the hotels and i'm like hey you know mm-hmm. after september one it's out of our hands it basically goes to the okay. hotels and goes to um groups 360 is who helps us 
get the yeah. procure the room. So after that, like we we just can't do anything. It's out of our hands. It's probably easier for us. <laughs> Here with Lee Banks, uh, twenty five plus years of coaching. Uh, Tidewater Phillies was with the Tidewater Orioles. I think the Tidewater Mets too. It goes that far back. Way back in the day. Way back. Um, but been a staple in the travel community f forever. We met in uh, nineteen ninety eight, ninety nine, around that time when I got to JMU. And so, uh, Lee, thanks for jumping on with me. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate it. Hey, Thanks for having me. when did fall baseball start in Virginia? <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, you know, I was going back writing notes about this. I think it was like uh, my first team I did um, had to be on a dinosaur was with Michael Kadire and John Curtis <laughs> way back in the day. So uh, I joke a lot with Michael. I said, hey, man, uh, it's been way a long, long time for it. But, uh, you know, he was the First team I, you know, I had with him and Jason DeVoice and uh, Curtis. So it was a fun, uh, fun times back in the day. How come you couldn't get Jason DuBois to go to JMU? I got tired of seeing that guy at VCU. <laughs> Key dog was this good back in the day. <laughs> I, I think about the league back then, too. You know, people don't understand how good the Colonial was back then. But everybody had big leaguers. You know, every, every, oh God, every team in the Colonial had big leaguers back then. Mm-hmm. They did. They did. You know, when you started, you see did you see travel ball heading the way it it is now? I mean, it's gotten monstrous oh, I, now. Did you see it going that route? It's funny. I, I was sitting there just looking up some more notes of kids I've coached coming through and all that of like, wow, from like five teams to like an abundance of teams, especially in our town and across and you know, you go to some of these national tournaments and it's like, oh, my God, it's like two, 200 teams in a tournament. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just crazy. I mean, I know um, we used to play on the weekends with like four to five teams, you know, like All-Star Baseball Academy, the Mid-Atlantic Rookies, uh, Mark Cassetta with the Bayside Yankees. The Oriole Landers. So, Oriole Landers with uh, Jim Gilbert and Dean Albany. So, I mean, we, we used to play – all weekend and we used to have guys just go at we we would go after each other just beat just beat one another up but it was such a great uh uh you know thing to have the players play against one another and you know that was it you know that that was for me coming from indiana in the midwest we didn't have fall baseball and so when i got there it was in a good way it was a shock for me to see the type of players that were playing against each other on the weekends. Cause we would host, then somebody else was host would host. You would just travel around to the different colleges on the weekends to watch guys. And it just, that was the biggest thing stuck out in me. Just the amount of talent that was on the field. I mean, even those teams, you know, David Wright, I told the story in the office yesterday, you know, that team with David Wright, you had Ryan Zimmerman, Ryan Zimmerman didn't even really play a whole lot because you had the Upton brothers, Justin Upton was playing as an eighth grader. BJ was yeah. older, and and you think now about the career that Ryan Zimmerman had, and he, you know, for for parents or players listening in right now, if you saw Ryan Zimmerman as a sophomore, you know he was rangy, he hadn't grown into his body yet, but then you look up what he did in college, then as a professional, it's like you don't don't discount what a kid looks like at, at fifteen or sixteen because there's a lot of growing from that point until they get to college. Yeah, I, I always tell people the same story. I mean. Mark Reynolds was on that team too, and he, you know, we used to, the kids used to always joke and call him Skeletor, you know, because he was so so small, and then and then he got to college and he blew up, and you know, uh, you know, Wright and BJ and 
those guys are pretty special dudes. So, I mean, they did, you know, they uh, made it pretty special. And I remember Kurt Eisenberg was on that team because uh, you recruited them to JMU. Yeah. Yep. And I, Kurt was a, a favorite of mine. Um, and, you know, the funny thing is, is people told us at JMU that you couldn't get beach kids. Like, that was always mm-hmm. the thing. They were like, why are you recruiting him? He's not going to come to JMU. I'm like, well, I think we got a pretty good setup here, and I think if we can get him on campus and see what we got academically, I think it's going to be a good fit for him. And he was a special, special player for us because two-way, you know, and, and that's what I loved about him because he was an elite center fielder, could hit, you know, let one of those old right-handed, you know, right-handed hitters, left-handed throwers that had juice exactly. from the right side. Uh, but then had just such good feel for pitching on the mound and, and was also a great person. And I think David Wright was in that group too. I mean, David Wright used wood bat that fall. Everybody's using aluminum that fall, and David Wright is using a wood bat because that's the type of hitter he was. He just – that guy's massive. He's a special really kid, man. He's, yes. he's a special kid. I, I still remember, um, like, uh, we played our last fall weekend down in North Carolina. Uh, we played at UNC, and – uh, you know, the kids, and like we, you know, they were all, hey, Dave, put the bat down for one at bat. And he did it. It's like the last game we played. And, you know, it was, you know, he, he hit one out at the Bosch. I was like, still, it hit, it hit the top of the building <laughs> down, down there in left field. And I just, he just smiled coming around third. I, you know, I said, hey, he's, he's got it, man. You know, he's, he had, he's got that it factor. Well, and he was one of those kids. I was never a proponent of kids signing out of high school, but he was a kid that when you talk to him on the phone, how mature he was, it's like, okay, that that kid is going to be able to handle minor league baseball because of how mature he was as a 16, 17-year-old on the phone. Like you, you just, you knew, you know, not too many kids at that age when you talked to him on the phone, talked to you like an adult. And he, you know, he had everything. I remember one of the best things, what stories about Dave was that every guy who recruited him, he called them back. Yep. Now you don't usually see that from kids, but he personally called them back and he wrote them thank you letters too, which you don't ever see that uh, these days. But I mean, he was one, of, he was one of my favorites. Who nudged you to get into travel baseball and start? start- uh, there's a guy from uh, Churchland, his son, pitched at William & Mary by the name of Robert Jones. He was a scout with the Orioles, and he was good friends with Jimmy Gilbert. And um, he asked me, hey, do you want to come along? And uh, then, you know, it, it, it just took off. And, uh, you know, we at the time um, when we were the Mets, uh, one of the area supervisors, Randy Milligan, was there. So we, you know, had a pretty good relationship with Randy and Robert and stuff like that. So it, you know, it was a great setup. And you know, the kids, you know, were awesome to work for. You didn't have to follow up or nothing like that. They just took care of their business. You know, is it, is it different now? You're on both sides of high school and travel. Is it different now, the relationship mm-hmm. with high school and travel coaches? It's it's to a point now. I think it's the college guys, the good college guys, they always work both both ankles with the uh, uh, the high, high school coach and, and us. But, I mean, I just think sometimes – that, uh, you know, you the kids always think it's you have to work a little bit at doing it. It doesn't all come to you that quick. I mean, you, you have to invest to get back. And uh, I think sometimes to had, you know, I hear some kids say, well, well, well Zimmerman and Rutt, I said, those, those guys worked. I mean, and I use examples like, hey, guys, there was times that they didn't go to high school football games on Friday night. They hit to like 11 and 12 
to get better. And that's, I don't think you guys are doing that right now. So, you know, they didn't, they didn't seem the stuff in the background. Yeah. What they, what those guys did. You know, when you first got into it, I mean, did you, did you say, okay, this is something that I can actually make a career out of, or, you know, was there any, you know, skepticism in the beginning or was this like, okay, yeah, I think I can, can make a 25 plus year career out of doing this. I, you know, I, each year, when we go back and we sit down now, start planning out for next year, I'm like, okay, do I have the energy? But just the kids at home, man, and the kids are awesome to deal with. You know, you 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 always try to. I mean, I, I think now there's a lot of guys if you talk to that you try to recruit the kids and parents because you got to look at makeup. And I, I just think sometimes back then you look at the you know Manny Upton back back in the day. It's great parent. His wife Yvonne was also awesome. Mr. Wright, you know, Ron and Alicia was great, great to work with, you know, Kadir's parents were first class. They got it. Now, some parents, sometimes, some parents these days, you know, you just look at it, look when you go to events, it's all about them. And, you know, just let your kid play and everything will take care of itself, I, I believe. Do you think that's been the biggest change as the parents? I don't think the kids have changed as much because <laughs> I still work youth camps. I think, I don't the think the parents have changed. changed. It's the parents that have changed. And I, I, I mean, I have an 18 and 20-year-old, so I'm in this generation <laughs> of new parents. So I, it's, yeah. it's the parents have changed. I just think they put so much emphasis on their kids and i think they find value in how their kids are doing rather than let your child be independent um you need to have your own life as an adult let your kid have their own life too and you can't put value in your kid's performance or if they're going to college to play a sport like you just can't do that as a it's not it's not healthy for the parent but it's not healthy for the kids oh. either i mean you, you you know you you you've been doing this long enough i mean in in this game you will fail seven out of 10 times. I always use this example and you'll hit 300 and you'll still be in the hall of fame. But the kids, I don't think the parents let the kids fail. Yes. And, and that's, that's one of the things that's tough these days. I know the guys before their parents let them fail. That's how, that's how you get better. That's how you get a better mental makeup. Yes. You know, that's, that's, that's how I feel. I mean, do you have to have those conversations with your parents, like to have a healthy perspective on what's realistic on the field for their child? What we usually do, and we do it every spring, like halfway through these guys' high school season, we do a big Zoom meeting with all our teams in the the two that two that I have, and we sit down and we discuss. You know, you're gonna have some fairs at fairs at these tournaments because the you know the competition that we go to is so good. And, you know, you, you got to be able to compete. And college coaches want to see their guys compete. And, and they want to see guys that are interested to compete. So you so we're going to have failure. That's something that is going to happen. And I, I tell our parents, too, is the best thing to do is go down the left and right field line. Stay away from the gossip. Because there's a lot of people that stay in the stands. And every, everybody loves the gossip. And I, I just laugh about it. I mean, I have I – have, a nephew that's 10 and I went to see his game the other day and I wore nothing but regular clothes and sat there and the mothers are like vicious. <laughs> I mean, what would you like to see out of youth baseball right now for youth baseball coaches that are listening in before kids get to you? What would you like to see them do with them? Maybe what you're not seeing when they show up to you. I just think now that just let your kids play the game. And let them fail. I, I, I think that, you know, in life, we're all going to have failure. And you can't be there to 
pat them on the back, let them learn from their failures. And, and, and that's some of the things now. You, you, you got kids now, and I always laugh about this now. We have it now, the portal. You know, it's going to happen, and there's nothing that's going to stop it. It's just part of the game now, and it's got to happen. Yeah, I, I just, you know, those are the ongoing conversations we have mm-hmm. with our Division One committee, with all, all the committees for college. It's like, this isn't going away. How can we streamline mm-hmm. it maybe a little bit more? But, I mean, you know, it, people are like, well, you know, this is going on with behind-the-scene conversations. I'm like, well, there was always behind-the-scene conversations. It just was with recruiting. You know, there, there was always yeah. behind-the-scene conversations going on. It just was with recruiting at that point, not with guys transferring. Exactly. You know, I I think a little bit with the youth space too is the ranking systems that we have. Like it's not it's not needed. Um, you know, it's not needed at that point. I think we also lose a little bit of the end of season. You know, you're building towards something. Um, like for you guys, mm-hmm. you're building towards Jupiter. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that's your build up is you're building towards Jupiter, but you have a long fall season before you get to that point where you're basically building up to Jupiter at the end of the year. What I found this year, and I'll probably uh, use it as a model, we'll probably stop at Jupiter. I mean, because I don't think you need to play so far into it. I think kids, you know, they need rest. You know, they don't need to keep pitching. They don't need to keep swinging until the last weekend in October or summer. Some are still playing and finishing this weekend. I mean, is, is this, you know, your body can only take so much. You got, you have to recharge. You have to get ready for February of next year to get yourself ready. So, you know, and here in Virginia, we start, you know, you know, officially we start in February, but guys, but guys start working out now in December or stuff like that. But guys, guys need some rest. When was the switch for that? Because obviously in 1999, 2000, you're playing a limited schedule. You're basically playing maybe two or three games on a weekend and then building up to that point. I mean, when did you see that switch where we're playing a lot more games? I just think halfway, probably like 2010 to 2011, you know, the games, you know, the tournaments, you're playing this, you're playing that. And, you know, to me, we used to play three games on a four, four games on a weekend. It, got, it went back to three because a lot of guys were saying, hey, we're here for the kids. We're not here to keep playing here here and there. But I, I just think that, you know, as I said earlier, kids need to rest. I mean, you, you can only, you know, play so much until your body's going to break down. And they need training too. I mean, they're, they're exactly. still developing on that side. Like they, they have to mm-hmm. be able to get into the weight room. They still need practice time. Like there's, you know, pros still need practice. Like, and I, yep. I think, I think we're, we're upside down a little bit on that at times where we're playing a lot more at the younger ages rather than training and practicing more and, and then competing and see what you learn competing and then go to practice again, work on what you need to work on and then go compete. I just, we're upside down right now. Some parent told me the other day, I was this sitting there watching his kid play, my little nephew play that they had played in like a hundred games this past summer. I'm like, how many young kids can play in a hundred games? I mean, me as a coach, I would hate to be there for a for a hundred games all summer. That's that's funny, and that's a parent thing too. I mean, that, that yeah, that's a parent not understanding that hey, my kid needs to train just as much as they need to mm-hmm. need to play. Who instilled your love of baseball? I mean, who who got you involved in baseball? Uh, I had a little league coach by the name of Bob Lane. 
that he always was there for me. If we ever needed a ride somewhere to be picked picked up, he always he's always there. My dad was a big influence. My dad was an umpire, so we used to always go watch my dad uh, do do games and sit back. And you know he you know and people would like blast him for making a bad call. So I so I have the ultimate respect for umpires because he took a lot of blasting. But I mean you know this you know my dad pushed us, but my dad let us fail. And, uh, you know, now I sit back as like, I look at my brother. He's like, well, you know, you know, my little nephew Jackson, he said, dude, remember how dad taught us. If he gets cut, you got cut because you wasn't good enough. So, I mean, and that's, that's one of the things now with parents, if your kid's not good enough, he's not good enough. And there's nothing that you, that me and you can do about it. Cause I mean, you have always seemed not laid back, but you were you were hands off. It just seemed like you let your players play, which I always appreciated that about you. And you let the umpires umpire too. Like yeah. you weren't one of those guys that was getting into the umpires at all. Obviously, you came from a background with your dad being an umpire, so that makes sense to me now that you are that way you were because of of your upbringing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's just. Is this part of the you know, principles that were installed? Hey, you you have a person there to do a job. Let him do his job. Now, if, now the umpire gets pretty bad. I might say, but usually, usually the umpires are pretty good. You know, knock on wood. <laughs> so, how are you communicating with your players? I mean, not everybody's around you. So, with logistics or scheduling or practice time or game times, how are you communicating with your players? Usually, it's been by the magic of the magic Apple iPhone. Uh, I've been like a dinosaur to all the new, uh, the X and everything like that. So we, so I've hired a social media expert. So she's getting me more uh, on top of everything. So she said, "Hey, coach, we need to do this," and you know, use the eye center stuff all summer, and you know, we talk and all that. So I'm, I'm, I'm learning more about that, and you know, group chats and all that stuff. So you know, kids, we're all, we're all connected that way. So how long have you worked at Grassfield? I uh, worked at Grassroot Speed like year number ten. So I be- before that, I was at Ocean Lakes for twenty years, and then two years at uh, Green Run. So I've been with a uh, like he's like a brother to me, guy by the name of Gary Spedden, and uh, you know he's uh, been an aw- awesome guy to be around. Have you liked doing both? I mean, do you like doing the high school side and also the travel side? It, it, I mean, it's fun. I mean, because there comes a time is that when I'm at when I'm at Grassville and I volunteer, I'm not the main guy. I don't have to make I don't have to make the responsibility. He does, and then like I'm like the guys, you know, hey, good cop, bad cop. So you know, but you know, we still enforce the fundamentals and stuff of the principles of the program. But I mean, and then when they come to me, we, you know, I you know I have to sometimes talk talk to guys, put my arm around them, take them down the left field line, and talk to them a little bit. But you know, it's it's my program, my name, and. Um, you know, I, I think, too, I've also had some pretty good guys around me that, uh, you know, I let the assistants t- take care of it. And, you know, I just lay back and, you know, n- not now unless something really happens bad, I have, you know, I have to speak up. But it's been pretty good. So H- Has the game changed much for you, the high school travel uh, level it, over the years? Is it, it has. It's just, just baseball. It's baseball, but then you know the kids are getting bigger. They're re- they're getting stronger, and then like hearing about now, you know, the next few years you'll have all these crazy NIL deals coming into baseball. So it's just like you hear you hear some some of the West Coast kids 
have these NIL deals. Some of the East East Coast kids, they don't. But it's just the new – this the way baseball is getting bigger and bigger. I mean, and it's some of the stuff that, you know, it makes you open your eyes a lot. Yeah, that was the thing that stuck out at the World Series this year, the College World Series. I felt like it was the best field that we had. And you just look at yeah. the type of athletes that are on the field now – yeah, you just didn't see it, you know. And the draft has a lot to do with that now too. You're seeing a, a lot more infusion of of high end talent that's passing the draft, and NIL is going to have a lot to do with that too. You're going to see. I mean, mm -hmm. look at what the football landscape now. You look at what some of the quarterbacks are getting in college. They're making more than some yeah. of the NFL guys are. Yeah, you look at some of the cars these guys drive, like Shador. <laughs> are you do anything? You're doing the same over the last 25 years on field. Basically, we, I'm just very honest with kids. I mean, I, I will tell kids, you know, to this day, I don't believe you're a Division I baseball player. You know, I, I said, hey, I've seen it. Now, you guys might you guys might have to work a little harder. You might have another year. The, the thing that's so scary these days is that a lot of – you still have some kids that commit so early. You know, it's still happening. And, you know, some, some, some kids, they go online, they see, hey, this kid committed, this kid committed. But, I mean, you have to put in the work and you have to invest. And, you know, that's the big, big difference right now. I mean, it's just, you know, kids just relax. Everything's, everything happens for a reason. Have you seen it, though, with the rules changes? Have you seen it slow down a little bit with early commits? It has slowed down. I mean, I, I okay, know uh, I had a kid. Because you and I are on the same page. I, I just think the longer <laughs> a kid can wait, the, the better it's, it is for the kid himself because he can enjoy the process a little bit more, make a more informed choice on where they're going to school. But then I think the coach knows more of a finished product of what they're actually going to mm -hmm. look like, because it's too much of a guessing game with eighth grader freshmen. It's a guess. It's a toss. It's a coin toss. Anyway, I, I had a kid like eight years ago that committed right after his freshman year, but he's a freak of nature. And he was, you know, his body was built. He just got bigger, stronger, faster, and it, it it helped out. But then I had some kids. I had one kid that uh you know committed, and then you know he gets that call you know three months before that signing date and saying, "Hey, we have to move on." So it's just it you know it's two ends of the coin. I mean, two sides of the coin. And I, it's interesting you said because I was going to ask you if your guys do shut down after Jupiter because I just think it's the mm -hmm. right time for them to to get into the off-season portion of things. Yeah. It to I totally agree with you. I mean, I just think kids, you know, I, I mean, I wish that there was a mandate that people after Jupiter probably would have to shut down. But then, you know, you would have some schools that couldn't have that, you know, some of the Division twos, Division three JUCOs, they still couldn't recruit, which that's, that's unfair to those guys. Yeah, and, and I think that's where you have to have the conversation with the kid himself. It's like, hey, you're not getting Division One looks. They're off the road now, but mm -hmm. you're not a Division One player, so you may have to let some other schools continue to get some looks at you if your ultimate exactly. goal is to play in college somewhere. Exactly. I mean, and, and that's why, I mean, I know we try to plan, and I mean, like next year we'll end – probably the week before Jupiter, just, Hey, when Jupiter's done, we're done. And, uh, you know, you guys start relaxing a little bit and then, then start training. How do you navigate bullpens for your guys in the fall? Like b before their competition portion, how are you navigating that with guys to get side work in? Usually here in Virginia, a lot of the guys they have, we have high school fall leagues. 
So they're pitching. Um, what we've been good at, I have a guy who's been with me for the last five years, Jaden Gar- Garnhunter. So usually on Wednesday night, we'll have our whole, we'll have our schedule for the for the weekend, and we'll script out um, the guys' innings, and we will email them and let them know, hey, you're pitching this game, this, this, this. Um, by the way, what was your pitch count on Wednesday night or t- Tuesday night? So we'll have a better understanding of it. And he's done a great job, and we we usually uh, talk a bunch on Wednesdays. So they're almost using their their fall high school stuff as their bullpen, then competitively. Exactly, exactly. We have such a, a great group of high school guys in our in, in our state and region, and they don't overuse them and stuff like that. Yeah, because that that's always a big concern for me with kids is they go out and air it out on the weekends competitively and then they don't do anything during the week and that's where you see guys get banged up because exactly exactly and i'm like time and and i'm pretty good friends with a lot of the guys that we have or have in our program with our high school guys so i always try to communicate with them say hey by the way sometimes on saturday or sunday you know let me know about this and you know kids are pretty the kids are of the day that are pitchers that are pretty honest about it. And, and they, they will let you know. I mean, you've coached some of the elite high school players that we've ever had. <laughs> I mean, how do you manage those guys or do you not, or is it just let them get their, <laughs> we mani- I mean, let them get their reps. We manage them. We manage them. I always laugh. I mean, BJ Upton tells this story to a lot of people. Okay, that, Cause I told that story I, in the office too. It's like BJ and Justin, like, I think they knew they were so good. They just seemed bored sometimes where they would just <laughs> kind of roll it out there sometimes. And I didn't, never knew if you had to like get into those guys a little bit. Like, hey, you need to go a little bit harder. <laughs> this was one of the funniest stories ever. And BJ would probably kill me over this, but <laughs> we, um, we were playing in Virginia Beach, fall game, like uh, late, you know, probably the middle of October, right before we were ready to go to Jupiter. It's kind of a chilly weekend. And I was there. It's kind, of cold. it's kind of cold. I'm not trying to go out. So I said, all right, man, let's keep it simple. Hey, Jay, go get your gun play short. No, no, no. My brother ain't going to play short over me. So it's one of those things how you need, how you can know how to push guys' buttons and stuff like that. And, you know, it, it was just one – one 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 of the funniest stories ever with uh, the Upton brothers. But you well, know, with Justin was there any concern with playing him that early. I, I just was so talented. It was like and physically developed too. It was like okay, he looks like a high school kid, even though he's out there as an eighth grader. <laughs> it was an eighth grader. I, I still remember uh, sitting sitting with Manny and uh, him. I said, "Yo, are you, you ready to do it, Jay?" Coach, I got this. I got this. And you know, it was always competition with those two in the dugout all the time. Hey, I had a better hit than you. And, you know, Jay was still uh, a few a few bases. CB, I got you today. So it was just, you know, they were pretty good at competing with one another. And we didn't really – I really didn't have any problems with them at all. They were great kids to coach. And, you know, how you – hey, we still talk at least uh, once a month. I'm so happy for those, all those guys. I mean, you want you want yeah, they're awesome to do dudes, well. man. Like you just, you're pulling for all those kids to to do well, just because you knew it was in there. You saw it. You're just pulling for them. And they're all. I mean, it, it's funny. They're all great friends too. Yeah. I mean, and that's you know, I know what the, you know, going to Zimmerman's wedding. I mean, you know, you have Kadire there. David was there. Reynolds was there. I mean, 
Justin and the BJ's wedding the same thing. So they're 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 awesome players, but they're all they're all also awesome kids. Yeah, funny how that works. An individual. If you're a good, yeah. if you're a good human being, usually the universe takes care of you. Exactly. Hey, when was your first convention? Ah, let me see. Um, I think it was Nashville. Nashville, like five years ago. Okay. Uh, a guy by the name, and it's funny. He's he's a good friend of mine, and he's helped coach with me. A guy by the name of Matt Itner, who's the head coach of Frank W. He's been on the podcast with me. Yeah, and he's been he talked me into going, and I went. It's like a I mean. I talked my brother to go in uh, two years ago. So he goes and he's like a, a junkie. He buys all everything down there and packs it. He, he, he literally spends extra money to get it shipped back home because he had all these vendors all in one spot. So it's, you know, it's one of the great things to learn. I mean, and you know, we, we all have to learn doing this and some of the speakers, man, I mean, you got, you guys do an awesome job in this, you know, picking baseball minds and stuff like that. So. Well, and we've grown so much on the youth and travel side, too, and I think that's where we've mm-hmm. continued to grow, where we're offering a lot more resources for youth and travel coaches now than we ever have yeah. you know, with the youth stage, but also the vendor piece. I think that's what people that don't understand, that if you've never been and you're in the baseball space, you need to get there because you're going to save a lot of money throughout the year in one yep. spot because you're going to get deal breaks at the convention that you don't get other times of the year. So it's, it's, it yeah, I'll be there. Harder. I'll be there this year looking for coach Com. So I tell, I tell, I tell coach Com that there, we are looking for a coach Com for our school. But I mean, I know that uh, it's, I mean, you know, it's like going to the mall of America to see, see every vendor and stuff like that. You know, we've added the diversity committee. How can we continue to get participation up for minority players and coaches in baseball? It's a pretty tough question because I, I know that uh, uh, it's, you know, I always, and I'll be frank with you, the kids of the day, they always can see themselves being the next Allen Iverson or LeBron James and things, things like that. And, you know, it's, you know, I always use this good, good story. Back in the day when I first started at, at Green Run, we had a Plexico Burst was a center fielder. And he always reminded me of, of Willie McGee. But, you know, he, you know, he, it was better for him to play football and basketball. And he put down the baseball. He was a one hell of a baseball player. So it's just, it's just one of those things you look at. And it's like, you know, kids have to invest a little bit more time. And some kids are naturally talented in another sport. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, that's a barrier for entry for if you want to be a good baseball player is you have to be willing to work at it and enjoy the work. Yeah. Like you said it with David. Exactly. Ranger, those guys like to work. Like they, they really yeah. liked being by themselves in the cage, working on their craft yeah. like that. I think that's the I mean, thing where the ones that make it, yes, you have to have talent, but the ones that make it like they love the work. Like it's not boring to them. They don't find it menial. They really enjoy working and, and trying to get better. I mean, I always use this. Kadire was like the grandfather for all of them, and he like he started the trend here in our area. And those guys usually followed him. And 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 Michael was a tireless worker and things like that. He so. committed to Clemson, right? He was he had committed to Clemson coming out of high school. Ah, you know what? It was out of high school. He was going to be a Seminole. Was he really? Okay. Yeah, Florida State. If you, I knew Sully if, was you recruiting go, if, him. Um, yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> if, if you go if you go in his office here in Chesapeake. He's got all the Florida State stuff up, so he's a big time no 
No fan. <laughs> Should go be a, a student assistant there. <laughs> <laughs> See a lot of pro guys Link, doing it now. Link my hire. I don't know. But, I mean, I think I think you had a great experience with with the kids last year, Team USA. So I mean, they all loved them, and Michael keeps it real and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you have a fail forward moment? Do you have something you thought was going to set you back, but looking back now, it helped you move forward? Not really. I mean, I think in this business, and I always learned that a guy who passed away this week, Tim Parrington, uh, was a coach at uh, University of New Orleans. And I mean, when he was here at ODU with Pat McMahon, and when I was first getting into it, and he always told me, he said, Lee, keep it real with us. Do not, do not tell any lies about players. Because once you lie, we never come back. And I always, I always keep that in the back, back of my mind when I talk to people, talk to play, players. Hey, if you can't play, I'm going to be honest with the guy. I mean, because you know, if you're not honest and you BS a lot of guys, you know, guys don't come back. And I think you know, over the last, you know, 30 years I've been doing this, I've had pretty good relationships. People always come back and and ask, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? I've been pretty good about it. Yeah. Do you run into Coach Gazzo ever? You know what? I did two years ago, and he's still the jovial kind of guy. I remember we all worked ODU camps, those late-night stories. Um, I mean, I, I remember him when uh, way back in the day, he was doing Atkins, doing, doing yes, pepperoni sticks and uh, <laughs> cheese whiz, and I always had one of the great, great memos. But the guy used to eat pizza with the best of them. And I mean, we used to have some those great late night conversations were the best for me. Just as a young coach, we had so many good, just that community that we had in Virginia at that time, yeah. working the camps together. Just you couldn't get there. It was like a one on one mentoring session. Yeah. Anytime you got around those guys at the field to watch games or at camps in the rooms, like it just was helped me grow so much as a baseball coach and as a person because it wasn't just always baseball, it was life too that just helped me. I wouldn't be the person that I am today if it wasn't for the help of, of all you guys in that area at that time because I, I had a lot of learning to do and maturing, and so it just it was a huge help to me along the way with everybody. I know. I mean, it's, it's just you sit back. I remember the late nights at ODU camp, sitting there. I, I remember going down to – uh, Auburn one time because Chris Benwell was there. I remember being at uh, VCU camp with Coach Keys and Finney back then. I mean, it's just you learned a lot just sitting around the table. I remember, uh, you know, guys were ordering pizzas. We sit there and talk, and we would talk to like one or two in the morning, and, and you learn so much about it. You learn so much about how these guys were as people and individuals. Mark McQueen helped me a lot on the throwing side of things. I, I would, you know, we ran the infield stuff, but I would try to sneak over and hang out with the pitching guys if I could, just because you learn so much about arm health, how to teach different pitches. Mm -hmm. Like those camps were, were as good as it got just from a learning standpoint, just as a coach and for the kids that were there too. Like you're not going to get that information anywhere else. No, you're not. I remember going to, uh, we used to go, at Christmas time, VCU had a hitting camp right right underneath the diamond. We would freeze yes. underneath the diamond, but we, we would sit there and learn everything from uh, Coach Keys and uh, Ryan Morse back in the day. And uh, and then and then at nighttime, we, we used to go to to the Sheridan. They had everything there. We used to sit there and talk. You know, you you would learn so much about the little aspects of the game that you still use. But I mean, it's like wow, back in the day, uh, 
you know, T-Dog said that, or Coach Mack at when Pat, Pat McMahon was at ODU, you know, would learn. I mean, I know that he learned a lot about throwing a changeup back in the day at the ODU pitching camp they used to have at, at the old field house. So it, it, you learned a lot about the game. I mean, for you going back as long as you have, when you're trying to relay with hitters when they need to make an adjustment, because you've seen it. I mean, you've seen what it looks like. And you've mm-hmm. also seen, okay, they probably need to make an adjustment. How are you relaying that to guys as far as hitting adjustments? I think uh, I always use the principal kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Because hitting such a hard game, I think you – take these guys aside and you try to explain it very simple. And, you know, I'm not the hitting guru. So don't anybody's listening. Yeah. I, I think just keep it very simple because it's, it's hard. The pitch, the pitching gets better at each level when you go up, you know, I always tell our, tell our guys at Grassville, you know, sometimes, you know, I say, Hey guys, just get your foot down. Just get your foot down, get your hands back, get your foot down. And that's the easiest way. I mean, and that's, that's the way I think because, there's a lot of hitting guys out there and I'm not the best. I just, you know, I just learned to keep everything very simple and cause this game is very complicated. Move on time. That's a big one. <laughs> you know, when, yeah. when kids are struggling, it's usually timing more than anything else. Yeah. They're not starting early. Exactly. Enough. Yeah. Any evening or morning routines that you do that you like, you have any daily routines or habits that you do that you feel like help? Uh, for me, it's 5am sports centers. Catch the news, get up. I know, I know. Pretty soon, we're about ready to kick in our weightlifting program at, at, at Grassfield. So it'll be like uh, uh, 5 a.m. Leave here at five, 5:45. We'll start at 6:15 6, because school doesn't start here uh, until late uh, in uh, Chesapeake. So get these guys rolling. And uh, how often are they lift? Uh, they are lifting like two days a week. And there's a guy that we that we're we're using that works with a lot of guys uh, in. Our, our area by the name of Chase Kiriakou. He runs Beach Fitness and Performance, and he's done an aw- awesome job. He's an ex-player at Norfolk State, and he's done a, uh, a great job uh, working with the kids in our area. I took my son to uh, the Foo Fighters concert in Virginia Beach about a month ago, so that's the nice. last time I had been back. Like, I hadn't been back wow. since I left JMU, and um, I forgot how nice Virginia beaches it, <laughs> it is so you you came you came probably the first weekend in uh, october so it's probably still still warm here <laughs> it was but there was nobody it was the middle of the week so nobody was around so like we had the beach to ourselves in the morning we took nice, a couple huh? morning walks it was awesome and i don't get to spend much time with my kids anymore because they're getting older so it just was a great it was a great yeah. two days in Virginia Beach. But as soon as we drove in, I'd got all these memories rushing back of ODU camp, Virginia Wesleyan camp, and just really great yeah. reminders. Really great reminders. Yeah. What, is the final thing? what are some final thoughts before I let you go? Uh, hey, it's, thank you again for having me. Um, looking forward to January Dallas. Never been to Dallas, so looking forward to it. Um, and just tell people to enjoy, enjoy the game. It's such a hard, hard game to play. And, uh, you know, and, and just, you know, enjoy it. That's all my final thoughts. I mean, for the amount of big leaguers you had, people should listen to you. Like, you know, everybody's like, <laughs> well, it can't be that simple. It actually is that simple. Obviously, you have to have good players and they have to have talent. Yeah. But just try to you gotta get, have pretty good get out of their way. Get out of their way. <laughs> 
you know, I, I, I always joke around with, with Manny and Yvonne, Justin and BJ's parents. Hey, Gene, do you want to sell them? So that we, so we always laugh about that. But I mean, I know just, you know, just have, just be good at the game and just, you're going to expect, you're going to have failure. Yes. That's one of the things that the parents don't understand. Your kid is going to fail. Just be there for him. And, you know, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Thanks for your time, Lee. You're the best. I was looking Right. Thank you so much, man. Look forward to seeing you. Yep. Thanks, buddy. I was really excited to be able to connect with Coach Banks again. He was always one of my favorite travel coaches to work with when I was coaching. He has a great demeanor for developing high school age players. Thanks again to Jim Richardson, John Litchfield, Zach Hale, Matt West, and Antonio Walker in the ABCA office for all the help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email, rbrownlee at abca.org, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at CoachB underscore ABCA, or direct message me via the MyBCA app. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks, and leave it better for those behind you.